I, I can remember some meetings that I went to, like sales meetings early on in our company's history where like we would go in and I would demo the product and, and Steve would be talking about, you know, the vision for it. And, and the customer would be like, well, what about this? And what about that? And I would just be quietly sitting there making the changes they're talking about. <laughs> and and they're like they're looking at the the big you know projector screen and the stuff that they're talking about is appearing because I'm I'm like not even refreshing the screen it's got like hot module reloading going and it's just like <laughs> and they're like this is magic <laughs> that's awesome you're listening to Working Code with your hosts one of whom probably just wrote a new JavaScript library Adam Ben Carol and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 110. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about measuring impact at work. Tim couldn't be with us tonight. He's not feeling great. So hope you feel better soon, Tim. But in the meantime, we'll start with our triumphs and fails. And Ben, why don't you go first? Yeah, I'm going to go with a failure. So half failure, half triumph here, which is that I had in my mind this grand idea that I was going to take the holiday break between Christmas and New Year's. And I was going to build a small cold fusion site and then layer on Hotwire, which is a, a kind of progressive enhancement framework from the guys over at Basecamp. And in my mind, the cold fusion part would take a day, knock it out, and then I'd spend the rest of the holiday getting to know Hotwire and, and its little intricacies. Fast forward to January 5th, which is the day of this recording, and I literally just finished the CFML part. And started to play around a little bit with the hot wire. So it's a, it's a triumph in that I stepped outside of my comfort zone and that I was sort of building something I didn't know anything about. I was exploring. So I feel good about that, but failure in that I didn't actually accomplish the, like the very thing that I set out to do. And the irony of it all is I build the whole CFML site. It doesn't have a good interface or anything. It's pretty crappy looking, but like all the data access stuff and all and everything is behind the scenes. I go to layer in Hotwire and it doesn't seem to be doing anything. And it turns out that by default, it only works on .htm and HTML extensions. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and which took me a while to figure out. And, and the reason that they do that is because for dynamic sites like PHP, CFML, Ruby, etc., there's no guarantee that the .cfm extension or the .php extension will actually serve up HTML. It could serve up anything, right? You could just stream mm -hmm. down binary for an image. So they can't assume that a link will necessarily lead to HTML so they don't wire up all of their interceptors and whatnot. So that was frustrating. But I could turn on URL rewriting for the ColdFusion site and then just change everything from CFM to HTM or HTML. In fact, you can actually just do like index.cfm forward slash foobar.htm and you know the mm -hmm. path info part of the URL just gets ignored. But yep. Hotwire thinks it's linking to a HTML page, so so it'll work. But but anyway, I was frustrated that I one that it took way longer to build this thing that I had anticipated, and then I was getting really angry with myself. So I'm like, oh, you picked such a stupid idea, and it's taking way longer, <laughs> and you're not even getting to the whole point. But I do at least feel like I I did something. I took a chance and I moved forward and I feel good about that. So what is Hotwire? Oh yeah, sorry. I guess maybe I should have said that. So Hotwire <laughs> Hotwire is a an umbrella for 
two or three different technologies. And I don't know that much about it, but essentially it's, it's the evolution of something called TurboLinks, which came out of Basecamp. TurboLinks was essentially a way to say, hey, you're on one page and there's a link that clicks to another page. Instead of that link actually doing a full reload of the page, it will just fetch the page via Ajax and then replace the body element instead of reparsing all the JavaScript and reparsing all the CSS and redownloading all the CSS or you know pulling it from cache. So it gives the perception that the page is actually loading faster, even though all the same data is being loaded behind the scenes. And then Turbo or Hotwire is an evolution of that that now contains something called Turbo Drive, which is that kind of interlinking. And then something called Stimulus, which is their ability to kind of what they call like sprinkle JavaScript into apps to reduce the amount of JavaScript that you have to build. And the other, like the third one is called Turbo Streams, which I think is like a WebSocket. They'll push changes down instead of you having to request them. I don't really know that much about that part at all. This is all sort of based on the idea of like partials too, right? Yes. The new version. So you, yes, you're right. The, The other thing that it does is something called Turbo Frames. And Turbo Frames is the ability to load little partials and like lazy load parts of the page and 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 yeah exactly and I'm I I was intending to come into this week knowing all about this stuff, <laughs> <laughs> but I did not make it that do you, far. Do you want to describe partials for somebody who doesn't know what we're talking about? Yeah, like sure. That. So so imagine a, a data grid or a, a list of items, and there's an edit button in one of those items. With a traditional multi-page app, you hit the edit button and it actually goes to an edit screen that's a full refresh of the page and has the edit form. With the idea of a partial, you can progressively enhance the page and say, hey, when I click this edit button, instead of going and getting that entire edit page, just go get me the form, like, like the form element and the inputs and the submit button, and just take that over Ajax and load that into the page that I requested from. So you get like little snippets of pages that then dynamically get added to and removed from the current page. That sounds amazing. Well, I mean, it sounds really cool. And Basecamp built the new email, I don't know if email client is the right word, email service, hey.com. Mm-hmm. And apparently hey.com is entirely built with Ruby and Rails on the back end and then this hot wired on the front end. And it's like a, it's a multi-page app, but it looks and feels and behaves like a single page app or a spa because they're using all of these advanced techniques. But again, my plan was to know more about this. And really, I just know a little bit of what I've read. Hmm. We have is it time. in Docker? The year, the year just started. It is in Docker. Yes. Nice. <laughs> so, I mean, just locally, right? Yeah, yeah, just locally. Hey, that's a that's a good first step, man. Well, and it's it's like half in Docker, so it's running on the command box Lucy CFML image. So the Lucy system is all running inside of a Docker container. But then when I started trying to play around with Hotwire this morning and running the JavaScript, I actually just run the JavaScript compi- compilation on my host computer. So all of the node modules and stuff are kind of technically outside of the Docker container, but it's you sloppy. just like volume it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not running those commands inside of Docker, but I, th- I think I could. I'd have to change the volume mount slightly, but that's all right. You know, baby steps. Nothing, baby steps. nothing wrong with that. Anyway, cool. So that's me, Carol. What about you? What do you got going on? I connect with both. Can I call the triad band? It's all here. 
I'm going to sure. do it. I'm going to call it. my failure because my mic broke, you guys. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to sound wondering. great tonight on my AirPods, but I'm going to order a new one from Amazon tonight because, you know, it's the best place to talk from. And uh, hopefully it'll be here by the next episode. So, sorry, guys. But I also have a big triumph. Before I got sick, which was the week of my birthday last year, <laughs> you know, because it's a whole year difference now since I talked to you guys. I started this project where we were trying to change how we deliver a product. And then basically we have these different APIs we hit and we're like, hey, once one is established and we have successful submission and they agree that everything's good, we're going to call this, this transaction approved. And then we're going to send everything to the other endpoints. Well, one of the big changes is that now everything needs to come back approved before we can, or everything can come back successfully submitted before we can approve the transaction, which doesn't sound too difficult until you start looking at legacy code that's just been layered on top of each other with the expectation that we would never need approval from anyone else to (laughs) say we're done, right? And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, what have we done? What did we do to ourselves here? So I started working on it, got sick. And then had to circle back to it after Christmas and go, okay, where was I at with it? And then today, even though the endpoints aren't fully working, I wrote some tests to test that the SNS messages are received successfully. And when I run all of my tests, I'm able to successfully do the loop without resubmission accidentally and without running into any errors and everything's logging correctly. And it requires all of the correct data before it can improve. So I'm super happy that. I think that before I got sick, got sick, had to remember it all. Now it's working. So, yeah, it was a huge win tonight. So when my husband got home, I'm like excited. I'm like, I solved the problem. This is great. <laughs> Everything's good. I get to talk to my friends tonight. Yay! Very calling very it cool. a triumph. Yeah. So, so just for my sake of clarity here, your system is calling another system, and now there's like it needs to kind of ping pong back and forth once or twice to sort of handshake in both directions. Is that the idea? No. So we are calling one system. That system says, hey, we validated everything that you've said. So it does like a rules check. Our rules say we pass. The next Mm. system doesn't, it never wanted a hit to it till the first system's rules passed. Because it assumes that the first pass, they don't want to spend the time processing it because they know it's going to fail. So they were like, we're going to use you as our QA. And then once your QA is done, we're going to go to the next part. So once that approved, we just assumed everything was good to go. So now we aren't approving the transaction until we get successful submissions to all of them. So they aren't dependent on each other. So the second one can submit now, even though we don't have success on the first one, but we're still going to wait for the first one to come back before we approve it. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Kind of like a promise not all kind of thing. You got to get it all back before you can move forward. Yep. Nice, nice, yes. nice. But legacy code is a, a challenge sometimes when people oh make God. assumptions to <laughs> processes and workflows that are never going to change, out. right? <laughs> oh, happy birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I am rolling into 38. Great. Noise. <laughs> I've been so sick. Oh, Carol. Well, we're yeah. glad you're well enough to be back now. Yeah, yeah. I finally went back to work and, you know can talk without coughing. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. What about you, Adam? So I also am going to go with a triumph. I also, like Ben, took the week off at the end of the year from Christmas to New Year's Eve. And like Ben, I also had probably 
over ambitious because that's my brand goals for the week, <laughs> including both like putting in some serious reps and and getting good at turning bowls on my lathe, which uh, you know I've just barely dabbled in prior to this week. And and the other thing was I wanted to play with SvelteKit and you know try to sort of lay the groundwork for what could become the next the next major evolution of our monolith and you know the the funny thing is so like it's a cfml app the current version of the monolith and because it was easy to change the cfml session cookie we made it what's the word compatible with expressjs so that all of our node services could share sessions Right, so you, mm. if you sign in with the CFML app in the Monolith, and you have a valid session cookie, and you go over to one of our apps that's written in Node, it just consumes the same cookie, and you have the exact same session data available to you, which has been really handy. We can pass stuff back and forth between apps that way. And so I, I had to figure out how to parse and decrypt that cookie using the exact same tools that ExpressJS does. Like it, it's, I believe it's Connect Session or something like that, whatever the plugin, and and wire that into SvelteKit, which was kind of cool, kind of fun. But that's about as far as I got with it because I got consumed with turning bowls. But I've turned like five or six different bowls <laughs> on my lathe now. And I went into my local woodworking store. So there's a couple of different stores. If you're, if you're in the, the craft, then you know... The stores uh, Rockler and Woodcraft, they're sort of the, the top two. It's like the the Home Depot and Lowe's, right? They're, they're the ones that everybody knows. They are they have different chains around the country or different stores around the country from the same chain. And so I went into my local Woodcraft to talk to their turning instructor. Turning is, you know, making things on a lathe because it spins. And, you know, I showed him some of my work and he complimented me. And I was like, I was kind nice. of blown back by that because he's like, you know, I was expecting him to be like, no, these suck. You got to you gotta sign up for my classes. And he's like, you could teach the, the 101 class. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks. So, Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about that and excited. And, and I've been making some bowls. I, I have posted some pictures on my Mastodon account because the bird site is dead to me. But yeah, so I posted some pictures there. I think I might have posted some in our Discord. But if not, then I'll make a point of doing it soon. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Are so. you selling them? Long term, that's the plan. I, I think the early ones are, you know, I've got a lot of friends and family who who want one, right? First, and and so I got a, a bunch of those to fulfill, and that'll be good practice anyway. And then I'll start throwing some up on my Etsy shop. It'll be weird. I'll have like three D printed stuff and turned bowls <laughs> on my Etsy store, but hey, why not? Can I get on that friends list? Absolutely. For a bowl, I'll pay shipping. <laughs> I'm sure, we can work something out. <laughs> cool. That's really awesome. A bowl takes a big chunk of wood. Is that is that like are you like do you have a felled tree that you're taking slices from, or, or do you go to Home Depot and get a giant block uh, of wood? The so the, the all yes, all of the bowls that I have made so far are out of chunks of trees that I picked up off the side of the road. So you know, like when oh, a storm cool. rolls through, yeah, and yeah. you know, a tree falls across the road, and the the you know the local public works whatever they come up and they cut it up and they just throw it on the side of the road. So every time it storms around here, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go drive around look for <laughs> look for trees on the side Be of the road. Be back later, kids. Daddy's going shopping. <laughs> yeah. Once you get your dream job of the helicopter with giant chain of uh, chainsaws, chainsaws it, yeah, you'll be able to feed from one career right into another. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So yeah, I mean, and you know, of course. Like I said, over-ambitious goals. I didn't get anywhere near as far as I'd hoped to with that. What I was considering like a mad science project. But with spell, uh, that's okay. talking about? Spell kit? Yeah, playing with yeah. spell kit. I, I had fun. I figured a couple of things out and 
you know, I'll come back to it. I just, I think I got, I had some early success turning and that really kind of sucked me in. I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll follow the thing that's I'm doing well at that's interesting me and why not? I get a little nervous, I guess is the right word. So I, I understand that when we listen to things on various podcasts and you see people talk about stuff, there is there is an echo chamber of people who are highly engaged in social activities, which is, you know, a, a, a small slice of the development pie, most likely. And what do you mean by social activities? Like, like people who give presentations or talk on podcasts or okay. tweet about things like people who are are. are facing marketing the themselves yeah yeah and okay. and it feels very much like all the progress that's being made lately is in the i'm running javascript both on the server and on the client kind of a world <laughs> with mm-hmm. all of the edge functions and the winter cg compatibility stuff and wasm and web components and Next.js and nuxt and view and SvelteKit and uh, what's the what's the one that can't See Dodds is in. Oh, a remix. Remix. It, it, it seems like there's this world of Cold Fusion developers and PHP developers and ASP.NET developers who are like not going to be able to leverage all of this really <laughs> fancy, I'm running JavaScript all over the place kind of a world. Mm-hmm. And I'm nervous that I'm left out of the party. But then I also am trying to keep the perspective that that's just one area of web development and doesn't necessarily represent the entirety of the future of, of the career. Mm-hmm. But I'm not 100% sold on that mindset. <laughs> so Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, right? So on the one hand, you are correct in that, you know, your current stack is not going anywhere anytime soon, right? There will be CFML apps that need maintenance for or probably... Even just PHP. Or like, PHP, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything that's just ASP.NET, whatever. Run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But sort of the other side of that coin, the other edge of that sword is like, do you really want to go back and work on COBOL or classic ASP no. right now? Yeah. Like, Mm-mm. you know, I think innovation moves in like uh, in swarms, right? You know, there are going to be bees that, that fly off and do their own thing. There are going to be bees that choose to stay behind when the swarm moves on. And Hopefully they do okay, but uh, you know I think that right now the swarm is around JavaScript. It's a good time to be a JavaScript TypeScript developer. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I love JavaScript very much. I just I I sometimes feel like I don't know enough to put it all in perspective. So it feels like it's very easy to get swept up in the in the I don't know what the right word, but like mob mentality of JavaScript is the future. Mm-hmm. And and not have enough experience to say that actually a lot of what they're doing is possible in other ways that just doesn't get a lot of a lot of you know radio time. But I don't know. Is there anything yeah. left to say about PHP? I mean, at this point, <laughs> no. I mean, word you know WordPress still powers like like seventy percent of the world's websites or something crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a big. I saw in our Discord somebody posted there was a like a recent leak or breach. Oh no! Hundreds really? of WordPress sites infected by a recently discovered backdoor. Ooh, Ooh. gold! So I guess that link has to go in the show notes now. Oh man! I will say, my son and I just had the conversation because he's about a year, a little over a year out from graduating with his CS degree, mm-hmm. and he's like, "What? What should I be doing?" I'm like, "Go learn TypeScript." 
And I was like, don't just learn like a little bit. I'm like, go deep in it. Just start learning it now. Because when you walk into a job and you're like, oh, I already know TypeScript. They're like, oh, well, if you can pick it up, then we need JavaScript for everything in the world that we do. So you probably can adapt to what we're trying to build. I was like, that's a good entry point for you. He was like, should I learn Cold Fusion? I was like, no. <laughs> well, I love you, don't spend the time learning it. You can no, it's pick that up quickly. You. you can pick that up quickly. Yes, your job requires it, but learn something that is like needed across the board right now. I was like, don't yep. like put yourself in a tiny bubble. Very cool. So our, our main topic today is going to be like measuring impact at work. So mm-hmm. yeah, like I was trying to think like, how do we, how do we frame this discussion? And so for me, I think what makes sense is like asking the question, what makes you feel like you had a really good day at work? What, you know, what's the difference between the days that you leave work feeling satisfied and productive and excited to go back the next day? What's the difference between that day and the days that you're like, so glad work is done just mm-hmm. I just need to go sit in a corner and stare at the wall for an hour before I'm ready to deal with the rest of the world. Because they, they both happen. They do, oh, yeah. absolutely. I, I have two things that kind of like may play into it. So there are days where I get up and walk away from my computer and it still takes me 30 to 45 minutes to have a conversation with my husband or with my kids because my brain is still turned on to what I'm doing so much that I can't just talk normal. It's just yes, <laughs> no's and what's for dinner like Mm -hmm. can i just be alone for a bit and then there are days when i'm like okay it's you know 5 30 5 o'clock 4 4 4, whenever you know i'm like all right what are you guys doing let's go all hang out let's do something because i'm able to transition off because i finished or because i felt like i accomplished or i felt like i did something that could be resolved the days that i don't resolve it and i'm still working on it late and i'm like okay i have to get up now because I work at home. So like, let me get up, move away from it and go transition into my family time. I hate those days. And I feel like I didn't have a big impact and I didn't finish it. So I need to be able to finish and find a stopping point to where I can transition into family. Is it about productivity or something else? It's just feeling accomplished, right? It's feeling like you Mm -hmm. found that spot to stop. Whether I made a note that says tomorrow when I come in, go to step five and start there because you've hit a finish spot. But when I can't get to a spot where I can finish, then mm-hmm. where do I stop? How do I tell my brain to stop thinking about it? Because as I'm writing code, my brain's just churning and churning and it's thinking so far ahead and trying to plan out that I can't turn that off quickly. But if I'm like, oh, here's a stopping point. So. Yeah. For me, I, I it's easier for me to think about the bad days, right? So the, <laughs> the last bad day that I can remember, I was just not having, you know, just a rough day, right? You know, things are not going the way that you want. You're not working on the things that you want to work on. And that puts me in this just like really negative, sour mood. And I can remember it because it was the day that my son wanted me to help him install Unreal Engine on his computer and so he, he's 14. He still has like parental controls on his computer to help reduce the possibility that he will install a virus and stuff like that. Right. So I have to sure. go put in my pin code on his computer to allow it to install stuff, that sort of thing. And, you know, Unreal Engine is a big download and, you know, it makes a bunch of modifications. So 
you know, it was like five, six different times that he was asking me to come down and put in my code and I'm getting like more and more annoyed every time that it's like, (laughs) and it's, and it's not just that it's like every time anybody needs anything from me, if I'm having a bad day, it's just instant. Like you are the worst person in the world, (laughs) you know, like in the back of my mind, like I, I know I love you and you know, I would, I would do really good things for you. (laughs) What's But like, yeah, it's just, and I even told him on that day, I was like, look, I'm having a bad day. It's not your fault. I'm sorry. But, you know, I'm just, I, I apologize for being gruff with you, but this is, this is how my day is going. So I'm, I'm helping you out, but I'm, I'm sorry I'm not being as nice as I could about it. Yeah. But I do it with everybody. You know, it's like when, when we were trying to plan a vacation, like we're going to the Grand Canyon next, no, this year. Sorry. It was last year that we had this uh, conversation with my wife and we were talking about like flights and she was trying to communicate to me that like we had a couple of different options to consider, like we could come back on Friday or we could come back on Saturday and we can, you know, pick whichever day is going to be better for getting a good deal on a flight. But the way that she was trying to explain that to me was really getting on my nerves and it was, had nothing to do with the way that <laughs> she was explaining thing. it. It had everything to do with the fact that I was having a bad day. Right. Yeah. And I just was, I, you know, I was rude to her and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> For me, I think two things make me feel like I'm productive. One is kind of what Carol was talking about, where I just feel like I'm in the zone. And it's like there's a path forward and I see the path very clearly. And I just need to run as fast as I can to to get to the end. And I and so it's just it's like a it's a laws of physics. How fast can I hit the keyboard to, mm. to get what's in my head onto the the screen? That makes me feel very productive. Also, I'm a huge fan of creating tickets in our ticketing system. And I tend to keep my tickets fairly small in scope. So if I can just see those tickets moving across the board at a regular interval, I feel like done, 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 done. You know, I feel like I'm I'm ticking the boxes. And that makes me, one, it makes me feel like I'm accomplishing something. But it also, it gives me good feedback as to whether or not the, the, the plan that I had laid out for a particular project is on track, mm-hmm. right? We can go in, I can say, oh, like I have a project, for example, that's due, I estimated by January 27th, and we're recording this on January 5th, so that's 22 days from now. That's longer than I usually estimate anything. I usually estimate mm-hmm. things like in the week. So I'm moving tickets across the board, and I'm getting that sense every day, that feedback, like does the January 27th goal feel feasible and if i can keep moving those tickets and i can keep seeing the you know the 100 percent bar moving across on the jira ticket on the jira epic then i feel like i'm i'm getting work done now i, I don't mean this as like a criticism or anything like that but i w- i think i've had enough people leverage that criticism at me that it, it immediately springs to mind for me is that like what you were describing keeping the scope of the tickets very small and you know tracking every little bit of it all the way across the the Kanban board. Kanban, I think. Sure, I know what you meant. What's that? that I mispronounced it. Kanban. 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 Uh, yeah, it's go. one of those words that it's like I, I've read a million here. times and only heard when people are like saying, "Oh, you're saying it wrong." So like, I don't know what the actual pronunciation is. Pronunciation. Anyway, they would say like you're creating extra work, right? Like you're you're making it take longer because you are creating a bunch of meta work to track the work, right? So like if you could just have one ticket that has these 20 things in it and just 
do the 20 things and then move the ticket, then it'll take you 90% of the amount of time that it'll take you to do all the other things, right? That's like that extra 10% to do all the extra tracking. And I, I mean, that's I, got to be based on truth, at least. I can't argue against it, but I also agree with you that it's, there's something good about it. About the large story with smaller on it? Or I, I agree with Ben about- that, that there's something good about breaking it into small chunks and, and tracking uh-huh. it. I'm an over-communicator. Sure. If you haven't noticed, you by are. the way, that I yeah. talk over everybody yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> we, we've talked before, I believe, about the getting things done system yeah. of work. And, and I can't mm-hmm. say that I actually know that much about it, but I believe one of the tenets of that lifestyle is the moment that something comes into your brain, you got to write it down. Otherwise, it's going to sit there and take up space and frustrate you and slow you down. And mm-hmm. so I treat my, my Kanban board or my Jira Epics very similarly. Like I'll be in the middle of code and I'll realize that something I had wrote previously was incomplete or incorrect or just something totally random. And I'll immediately just jump over into the Jira Epic, add a, just a note, a ticket that's just a title. Like, oh, double check the logic on this operation or don't forget to clean up something in a try catch. And then I'll go back to what I was doing before. And now I feel like I don't have to keep that in my brain anymore, but I know it's tracked somewhere and I know I can come back and get it. And it may be, be like three lines of code, but now was not the time to go and fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it, it makes me feel like I'm being very efficient with my time. When I put my manager hat on, I like the idea of doing whatever you want to do that makes you feel like you're more productive and makes your day easier. So if the cost is 10% of your time versus another engineer who only puts in one story and it has 20 tasks on it and it saves them 10%, well, whatever workflow makes sense for you and makes you feel productive and makes you feel like you're doing a good job, that's the workflow you should do. Mm. Like it. It's because you're a good manager, Carol. (laughs) <laughs> I try. Side, side note, we're doing career conversations right now. And uh-huh. the very last little block on all of our career conversations is what do you need from me? Like is the it, manager. Is that a performance review? I don't know what I don't know what the term career yeah, conversation means. It's something they they coined internally or maybe they picked it up somewhere, but call but instead of calling it an assessment or a review, it's a career conversation. So it's a conversation we have that goes, hey, here's what you're doing great. Here's what we're going to do to help you move forward in, in the path of promotions and raises. Like, here's here's what we need to see from you. So it's just a conversation about your career and about what you're doing. And they seem to go very well. They're a lot smoother nice. here than I've ever had at any other job. I like that. The very bottom bullet point is, what do you need from me, me being the manager? Like, what can I do to provide you like more assistance? And all of my team like put on there that they're doing a great job. And Aww. that today also made me feel really good because I finally am working through all of their uh, career conversations and to see that they actually enjoy working with me and that they feel like I'm doing a good job and that I have their back. I'm like, oh, yay. <laughs> that makes me feel good because that's, that's amazing because growing people is the best thing ever. Good for you. Yeah. Virtual high five. Yeah. So I feel like I'm kind of the self-appointed secretary when we have meetings because, you know, people will be talking and we'll be, we'll come up with action items basically, right? Like things that are going to need to be done as a result of a meeting or a discussion that was had. And oftentimes I feel like I'm the only one who thinks we should be writing this down. So I do, you know, I pull out Notion or I create a a couple of GitHub issues, whatever it's going to be. And I start writing stuff down and 
sometimes it's annoying. Sometimes I feel like I'm annoying them. Sometimes I feel like <laughs> that I'm annoyed with them. That like I have to, I feel like I have to drag everybody kicking and screaming into being intentional and well organized about, you know, keeping track of what we're going to do and when we're going to do it. But you know, it, it's it's a small team. We do what we got to do to get it done. Um, it is it is frustrating. I'll say when you feel like you personally have a lot of su- success with tickets, mm-hmm. and then people don't create tickets. It is very frustrating because you're like, just do it. It works. Yeah. So, okay. We talked about what makes a good day. I don't know that we necessarily went into, we talked about the, the result of a bad day, but what makes a day a bad day? Not finding an end point to anything or having so much on your plate that your checklist tomorrow is so full, you know, you're going to be busy doing what didn't get done today. That makes a really bad day for me. Or when my hardware doesn't work, that makes a really good <laughs> day. So sometimes, though, you talk about getting to an end point. I have terrible days where I feel like I don't even have a, a, a starting point. I have a problem, and I just feel incapable of solving it. And And it's one of those days where you just feel like you have to walk away and hope. You know, hope is not a great plan, but hope that you know, some Chinese food and a good night's sleep will somehow magically make the problem solution appear to you the next day. Do you guys just never have like production issues, you know, emergencies, corrupted data systems yeah. going offline? Cause like the, these yeah. are all the things that spring to mind for me and you guys just totally, <laughs> you know, if I'm, I'm not able to end the day on a good news, like, come on. <laughs> So over Christmas break, I worked the whole week. Like I was one of the people that didn't take off, which was great because I worked extra and didn't have to take so much time off for being sick. So it was good. But we did have a production issue where this PDF will not generate. I'm Googling solutions from anything I can possibly find. One solution is try changing the, the file from .htm to .html. Maybe that'll stop it from breaking on creating a PDF. So I even tried that doesn't work still to this day the order will not approve so what they've done is they've created a new order duplicated everything and it approved so Mm. no i had a really bad day during that week where i've spent eight hours trying to figure out why a pdf will generate when everything says it should generate and it's just stuck so that made for not a great day they do happen just not as often as it has at other jobs i'll I'll tell you on our end Unless I did something terrible that caused an incident, which feels crappy, mm-hmm. there is a camaraderie that we have at work around incidents where everyone jumps on a call and there's someone from the security team, and there's someone from the SRE team, and then there's front end engineers or back end engineers, depending on what's breaking. And it feels like everybody comes together to solve this problem. And even though it sucks, and sometimes even though the site is down, it, it, it feels like you're part of this this unit and it and there is something very nice about that so i actually don't mind incidents all that much unless it's in the middle of the night that's yeah, terrible I was gonna all say. the time yeah <laughs> unless, unless you mess with my sleep then that's a problem or it's like christmas day or something yeah yeah we actually had a denial of service attack at work i think the day after christmas oh no yeah and it was frustrating too because our our whole infrastructure is behind cloudflare Mm-hmm. But it was it was coming from so many IP addresses, but 
each individual IP address was of like a relatively low amount of volume, mm-hmm. that it wasn't tripping the right Cloudflare or firewall yeah. rules. Those suck. Yeah. yeah. So they had to, security came in and they updated the firewall to block certain ASNs or something. I don't really know what how networking works, but I guess there's a, an ASN that's like a block of the network mm. and that and that mitigated it, but <laughs> it's just frustrating. I just had this idea of like, we'll just take the server, like just unplug the network cable. We're up, but nobody can get to us. And the services are running fine. Like it's not yeah. our fault. Look at those CPUs. I don't know what your problem Whisper is. quiet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, do your production issues take you down, Adam? I think what gets to me is if we have like multiple production issues in a week or, you know, sort of like when, when it starts to feel like emergencies are the new normal then that starts to get to me like i can deal with an emergency i am no stranger to you know it's four o'clock on friday and we just discovered a big problem and at the end of when when it's all dealt with it's like 2 a.m on saturday and i've been you know at my desk since four o'clock on friday you know skip dinner just work in the problem and you know not by myself obviously like you know we sort of an that would be like an all hands type situation kind of like what ben said right yeah yeah yeah. like and there is some camaraderie in it like ben was saying i can recognize when that happens i have done it a few times i don't have a hero complex thankfully it's one one positive (laughs) trait i do have going for me so yeah if we could tangent one second on hero complexes. Sure. Not not hero complexes necessarily, but being the hero and talk about what makes a good day. Every now and then a customer will come to us where they did something terrible or they deleted <laughs> data that they weren't supposed to or something to that effect. Yes. And they're like, Oh, is there anything you can do? And and we'll do something like we can we can restore a database to a read replica somewhere and then pull the records, but then it's like not just pulling the records and I have to take those records and I have to author. It's like I have to, Adam actually did this, I think just recently on a, on a previous episode where you you take the records from one table and you use it to actually author insert statements mm-hmm. that are yep. the results set and then you run those against a different database. You know, every now and then you do something like that and you feel like, like a ninja and yeah. that you save the day and the customer's like, oh my God, you guys are so amazing. I can't believe you did that. Thank you, <laughs> save my bacon. And and that feels great. That feels really it, great. It feels good when it wasn't caused by your code. When it's the result, <laughs> right. yeah. when it's the result of a bug that you wrote, you feel like the worst person on the planet. <laughs> uh, I also I and this is not a dig at managers because I know managers have a lot of meetings, but if I have a day that is consumed by meetings, it's awful. I just it feels like I didn't get anything done. My Tuesdays and Thursdays, every day of the week. And I make sure if anyone's trying to schedule anything, that Wednesday stays free because I'm like, I need a day that I can just write code. And when I write for 30 minutes and have to go to another meeting and then try writing again, it doesn't work. Like, I'm not productive that way. I need time to actually get going and stay going. So mm-hmm. I tried moving everything off of my Wednesday. It's the same thing. Tuesdays and Thursdays just feel like a loss. Like, Nothing got accomplished, but a lot got accomplished because things are moving, right? Things are getting planned, done. Yeah. Now, I guess I should preface this by saying I I average just over one meeting a day, mm-hmm. which is our daily stand-up meeting. You know, 
on a good week, those are the only meetings that I have. On a bad week, I might have two more meetings in the week that are like a half hour to an hour. So with that caveat, I feel like I don't hate having a bunch of meetings, right? Like it's not like I experience a lot of it, but yeah, it's just like, I, again, I'm an over communicator. So when I I feel like communicating well and, and, you know, being able to accomplish something with that communication is, is work getting done. It's very good of you. (laughs) (laughs) I, to be fair, I do like a meeting where I'm, very engaged in the meeting. Oh yeah. But you know how, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Everyone has their own experience here, but I am definitely part of a number of meetings where 10 people are on the call and I probably don't have to be there. Yeah. But you could have just I sent am. me a summary of this meeting by email after it was over. Yeah. Which I would not have. Read, if somebody yes. took notes. <laughs> but yeah, meetings are a tough one for me, especially if I have something that I'm chomping at the bit to get done. Then yeah, it's, it's like you're just in my way. I swear, like that's every Thursday. Like I go into story time, going, "Oh, I won't turn my camera on for this hour long session of ticket planning because I'm going to keep writing code for when I was trying to wrap up yesterday because I'm really engaged in it and I have to stop myself and go, "No, turn your camera on, pay attention, contribute." Because then they'll be like, so, "Well, what do you think, Carol?" And, and then you're like, "Sorry, I I dropped my earbud. What was that?" <laughs> The dog was barking. I'm sorry. Well, I was listening to a previous episode and uh, there was a clip from Carol and she was talking about how she'll be deep in code and then she has to stop to go to a meeting and then people spend the first five minutes of the meeting talking about the weather. And she's like, (laughs) the weather? I could have been coding right now. (laughs) It's still, to this day, it drives me crazy. I, I don't know why I'm not a small talk person and I have to try very hard to not cut people off. Like we started story time today and the one of our product owners was talking about tater tots and how <laughs> she eats her tater tots. And I'm going, 60 seconds, give her 60 seconds, 60 seconds, then say, what's your first story? Because that's enough. Right. Let me going. So is story time what you guys call like a stand-up meeting? No, our stand-ups are 30 minutes twice a week. Story time is sprint. It's just our planning for the, oh, okay. what's going into the, we call it sprints, but we're on Kanban. So we just float whatever's ready to go to the top of the to-do ready, and you pick it up and throw it to the sprint, and we just close it at the end of the month because we don't really do sprints on my team. We just work, release, work, release, work, release, and we know what priorities are coming down from the customers. So. Story time is what I is what we all call it. At first, I was like, "Oh, naps, right? Like, let's read a story, take a nap." Like, oh, it's story <laughs> review. Got it. Pointing. Okay. One thing, so, uh, circling back to my comment about being the hero for a customer. One thing that looks like it's going to be a good day and then turns out to not be a great day is when I'll be on a call with a customer and they express some sort of pain point or frustration that they're having with the application. And as they're talking, I immediately see a solution to their problem in my head. And I'm like, oh, this is so great. I'm going to be able to knock this out for them. It's going to blow their minds. We get off the call. I go heads down for like two hours and I hammer out a solution that I think solves their problem exactly. I'm so excited. I, I get in contact with our customer success people. I'm like, hey, please send this over to you know Joe Blow at Acme Incorporated. <laughs> Let them know that I was inspired by our call and I built this for them and I hope they're really happy with it. And then like they couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, great. And that's, that's it. So and I'm like, oh, 
yeah. my high just became a super oh, low. Man. I, I can remember some meetings that I went to, like sales meetings early on in our company's history where like we would go in and I would demo the product and and Steve would be talking about, you know, the vision for it and, and the customer would be like, well, what about this? And what about that? And I would just be quietly sitting there making the changes they're talking about. <laughs> and and they're like they're looking at the the big you know projector screen and the stuff that they're talking about is appearing because I've I'm like not even refreshing the screen it's got like hot module reloading going and it's just like <laughs> and they're like this is magic <laughs> that's awesome you know that's great <laughs> I will say that nothing in my day ever rolls up to OKRs like OKRs just never enter my head whatsoever. I, most really? like ninety percent yeah. of the time, I can't even remember what OKR stands for. Objectives, Objectives and key. key results. Yeah, yeah, none of that means anything to me. Well, that's, it, that's funny that you say that because, like, you were talking about breaking down a task into really small scoped pieces. Yeah. You could take your OKRs and break them down into the task that you then break down into your really small pieces. You know, I don't know. That feels just like an abstraction. And and I mean, I would. As somebody who doesn't do OKRs, you know, <laughs> we're, we're just a startup kind of wild west gunsling, do whatever the heck feels right. But I would venture to say that if your company does OKRs and you can't take them and break them down into tasks like that, then you're doing your OKRs or your tasks or both wrong. Yeah. So our OKRs, like we have KRs for the department, which we have to come up with for how we are going to achieve our OKRs for the company. So like one of our OKRs is to provide a positive impact in the communities where we live. Mm -hmm. So we have to, as the engineering department, come up with a KR with a key result that we can actually measure that says, how are we going to achieve that? So I do think about that often. And actually, <laughs> in my career conversation to my manager, and which is the director of engineering, I was like, okay, I have a problem because I would much rather write code than work on the KRs or work on some of this other management stuff because so one of my things is I need to do a better job managing my time so that I can spend part of my day coding and part of my time actually working on the stuff I don't want to like KRs. <laughs> Growing people's fun. Building measurables, not so much. Maybe my problem is that I've never had OKRs that feel actionable, if that makes sense. I, I think maybe all of the OKRs that that have always been applied to my team or my department just feel very hand wavy and not like they like maybe they feel very strategic but not mm. tactical in any way like in like some i've seen before are increased revenue by 20 percent well as an engineering department how do i impact that like yeah, product exactly. determines what we write Marketing needs to get our information out there. Sales needs to bring on new customers. I'm just going to deliver it, right? Like they're going to bring on a customer. We're going to deliver everything for the customer. So all we can do is make that process more efficient, which then allows us to onboard faster, which could help revenue. But that doesn't really become a, a result that we can accomplish unless we have customers coming in. So mm -hmm. they're not achievable always by the department and it's hard to put put KRs to it that makes sense with what you could deliver. Yeah, I think that's my problem. So that's why yeah. I, I feel like, I don't know how often, I think we do OKRs annually or maybe it's so quarters. Usually, they should be yearly. So yeah, they go I think it's annual, yeah. Typically it's annually and then you have a quarterly accomplishment to it. 
So for this, we expect to accomplish something in Q1, which is going to have a deliverable by Q2. So that's when we expect that OKR to be met. Or this is the breakout of how we're going to accomplish it over all four quarters. I, I think maybe also because I've been on the legacy platform for so long, it just wasn't taken seriously. I don't know. Maybe maybe when I go to the new platform and there's you know layers upon layers of management, that suddenly it'll mean something. But I have just historically, it's always been, okay, everyone wants to do this OKR thing for a week. Let's get that done so that we can go back to our regular work. Like that's kind of how I've always thought about it, but we'll see. I, I do feel like that they are perceived differently by engineering than they mm. are by other departments. That yeah. could be. I feel like that's got to be partially because the work that we do is literal knowledge work, right? Yeah. Like if you're in manufacturing, your OKRs are going to be like, you know, reduce injuries in the workplace. And so you can do things to make the workplace safer. They're going to be like improving, you know, throughput and production, whatever. These are all very easy to visualize, you know, ways to think about improving the way that you do your job. When when your job is squeeze value out of your brain. It becomes a lot harder, I think. It is. It is. It's, to, it's completely different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it sounds like we're about done here. So yeah. this episode of Working Code is brought to you by Hero Complexes because only I can save the day. <laughs> <laughs> and listeners like you, if you're enjoying the show and you want to make sure that we can keep putting more of whatever this is out into the universe, then you should consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons cover our recording and editing costs and our goal for this year, if you haven't heard, is we want to keep increasing our Patreon up and to the right so that we can afford to get transcripts for accessibility improvements and searchability. Yay. And if you want to help us out with that, you can go to Working Code. I'm sorry. Yeah, you can go to workingcode.dev and there's a support us link there. Or you can just go to patreon.com slash workingcodepod. Special thanks to our top patrons, Monty, Sean, and Giancarlo. Your homework this week. I want to say it's a new year. You need to have a goal this year of coming and hanging out with your fellow Working Code listeners. And you want to do that by going to workingcode.dev slash Discord. Join our Discord server. It's just a chat server like Slack or Microsoft Teams, I guess, if people use that and enjoy it. (laughs) Except it's better. It's for communities. And it's good. We like it. We have fun there together. Anyway, come join us in Discord. Have a good time. And we'll see you there. That's it for this week. We'll catch you next week. And until then... Your heart matters, even you guys who run JavaScript on the client and server. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.